Big Fluff. Let's see, what the... exactly do we have here? We've got one, two, three men in a bed. Spooning? This is not what it looks like. This is, a. Uh, do we have, um, what is it, Woody? Camping. I'll tell you just exactly what it is there, Poindexter. It is four counts of indecent exposure, two counts of lewd, lascivious behavior, and one count of pure jealousy. Huh? How you doing? Hey, look, oh, thanks for waking us up, officer. You know, keep going, Jackson. Gotta get going. That's terrific. So five's a crowd. Is that what I'm gleaning here? Five's an uneven number. Figure it out. You guys can't see it, can you? too close. They don't realize how lucky you are to have each other. Oh, daddy. Hey, everybody. I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. This is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And we are continuing our road trip month uh, because it's June and people take road trips in June and no other month of the year. And this time we're switching up our automobiles for motorcycles and we're watching Wild Hogs. Oh, daddy. Oh, daddy. <laughs> yep. We watched Wild Hogs, which, you know, in so many ways, it feels like this is where we were always headed. We knew once upon a time when we started this podcast with Star Wars Episode One, A Phantom Menace, that somehow, inevitably, inexorably, we would find our way to the hogs. Well, the real Phantom Menace was the hogs that were hiding this whole the time. The whole time. <laughs> yeah. yeah that, that was, it was uh, secretly lying in wait like a Sith Lord waiting to overthrow the government through diplomatic machinations. And, and we got here. And Wild we're here. Hogs. We're here. We're doing it. It's happening. We watched Wild Hogs. Now we're going to talk about Wild Hogs. And now we're going to talk about Wild Hogs, the movie that we watched. Because yep. we chose to do this. I think that is important to take stock of. Nobody makes us do this. But... Now, assuming that time is in fact linear and uh, it isn't just an analysis of cause and effect, did we really choose this or was this always going to be the choice? I mean, time isn't after us. Time is an asterisk. Good night, everybody. <laughs> uh, no, we, yeah, we, uh, hopefully you out there listening, uh, I want this next sentence to be true. We watched this movie so you don't have to. Oh, please. If you haven't, don't. I made it until the year 2023. But again, to Andy's point, time is a flat circle. So I've always seen Wild Hogs. And never seen Wild Hogs. And I'm yeah. jealous of the me's that have never seen Wild Hogs, having now seen Wild Hogs. They're the best versions of us. Yeah, the, the best timeline is one that we have not seen Wild Hogs. But... Well... The best timeline is one where Wild Hogs was never made. That timeline, unfortunately, doesn't exist. The one the one truism of all across all multiverses is that Wild Hogs was made. It's just there are some timelines where Joel and Andy have seen it and others where they haven't. 
How insane would that be if that were true? If for some reason the creation of the film Wild Hogs is in fact the linchpin of the multiverse. Yeah. (laughs) That it always has to happen. That no matter what. It's immutable. (laughs) The creation of Wild Hogs. Just inevitably, that is the movie that happens. Uh, Other things happen, sure. And it's all, but you know. It happened. And yeah, uh, surprisingly, John Travolta's first appearance on the pod. Yeah, that's true. Shockingly. Um, Tim Allen's first appearance on the pod. <laughs> uh, Martin Lawrence's also first appearance on the pod. I don't know about Bill Macy. I know. I was just thinking that. I think. I think the the the, the hogs are making their first appearances. All of them. Every last hog. <laughs> it's our first time the hogs have all shown up. Yeah, I mean, you would think, but yeah, surprisingly, I think this cast has somehow ducked us until now. And we're here, and we're hogging it, and we're it hog is, wild. It is interesting. I don't know exactly, but I think that at least in the public perception this movie for both john travolta and martin lawrence was definitely a sign either that the wheels were coming off or that the wheels had come off on both of their up until around this point uh you know blockbuster film careers yeah it's tough to say um because travolta it's not the nadir of john travolta's career i feel like that has to be battlefield earth which put a pin in that one because yeah that's another one we've dodged (laughs) but yeah battlefield earth is although i i have seen that film i have not in this timeline yeah i've I've already seen it but i i know that it, it, it awaits me again yeah uh forever giant dreadlocked forest whitaker is in your future yeah, in so many ways. Second worst thing L. Ron Hubbard's ever done. What's the first? I don't know. Now you think about it. I'll think about it. Yeah. Uh, anyways, praise Zenu, and let's get back to the topic at hand. So, Wild Hogs is a movie that came out in 2012. Is that right? Sounds uh, right. I mean, I don't have it in front of me, so sure. We'll go with 2012. I, I want to be right about that. Okay. I mean, that was when the uh, the Mayans foretold the end of the world. Uh, so. 2007, way off. Yeah, so no. So no. Uh, anyways, uh, you have four middle-aged men mm-hmm. played by the aforementioned hogs, Tim Allen, John Travolta, William H. Macy, and Martin Lawrence. And they hate their lives because their wives are people. Yeah, I mean, one of their wives... Well, one of them is single, Yep. One of them has a a wife that's left him. One of that them we find out later on. Yeah, one of them has crossing Jordan as a wife. <laughs> yeah, one of them is married. One of them is crossing Jordan, and one of them, uh, one of them's one of their wives uh, is Gina. Is yeah, it was not Gina. Is Pam? Pam, but yeah, I always think Pam from Gina. Martin. But the other, yeah. yeah. But it's Pam. Pam from Martin, yes. Yeah. Um, and she wants her husband, who's taken a year off for personal pursuits, to pull his weight around the house. How dare she? And go back to the firm, which, get this, 
is it's a plumber. He's a plumber. It's it's a failed rap concept album by Dr. Dre. About plumbers. Yeah. That was the um, concept. It was very strange. And then it was weird. It didn't work. And then Dr. Dre was like, headphones? That seems easier. Yeah. And then apparently we forgot about Dre. Yeah. Nowadays, and he's, everybody and he's wants still, to talk. Like they got something to say. But nothing comes out when they move their lips. Just a bunch of gibberish. Motherfuckers like they forgot about Dre. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and they decide to collectively go on a motorcycle trip. Which seems a reasonable thing to do for four friends that are motorcycle enthusiasts. Which I'm the catalyst for the trip is that Tim Allen eats butter, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's that is what happens is he eats butter. And then um, ends up in the hospital. Yeah, he has a panic attack because he eats butter like a like a Snickers bar. After drinking gravy. You know, a typical Saturday night in the Allen household. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, his neighbor had half his face sticking over the fence and saw that he was in distress and called 911. And he asked his uh, flannel clad sidekick if it was a good idea. And that guy said, I don't think so, Tim. Yep. Uh, And yeah. And so they decide to go on this trip. They're going to ride their bikes from Cincinnati, I think is where they live, out to the Pacific Ocean. That's a Mm -hmm. long drive. Yeah. It's a hell of a bike trip. Well, and and it's, especially considering one of them can't ride a motorcycle at all. At all. Uh, it's it's clear in the opening sequence that William H. Macy uh, cannot ride a motorcycle. Yeah, despite the fact that he owns a motorcycle and is part of this group, and it seems like they ride their motorcycles regularly together, he's god-awful at it. Yeah, he frequently jumps curbs and falls off his bike completely unscathed. So maybe he's, you know, a superhero, but who knows? Yeah, in the opening scene, I believe he hits a sign and is knocked yes. off of the motorcycle. Yeah, that, that, that is a thing that happens in the first 30 seconds of the movie. Yep, it's the first, and I use this word generously, joke. Uh, and yeah, and so in the course of their motorcycle trek, they uh, get sexually harassed by John C. McGinley. I mean... I'm going to push back on that. I think John McGinley, uh, he makes an assumption about them and based on a lot of empirical evidence, let's just on a lot of empirical evidence and uh, just politely asked to join. And then he does track them to another location. That's where I think that it gets into the harassment bit. But again, I think that he thinks they're playing hard to get, which I think the evidence does sort of support that they're sort of playfully, you know, beckoning him. I understand why those wires were crossed. That's fair. Um, And, you know, but they're not gay. And uh, and then they run afoul of the motorcycle gang, the Del Fuegos. Mm hmm. Led by Ray Liotta. Yes. (laughs) Led by Ray Liotta. Uh, and then they, the filmmakers have a chance to just remake Seven Samurai mm-hmm. and don't. No. And then, then they fight the bikers and Peter Fonda saves the day. Yeah. And then the movie ends. Yep. It, well, <laughs> there's a post credit scene where the bikers are on 
whatever that show extreme was. Extreme Makeover with, Home Edition with yeah. uh, Ty Pennington. Yeah, with Ty Pennington and he extreme makes over their bar. That was destroyed. Uh, by John Travolta. By John Travolta. Accidentally. Somewhat accidentally. Well, yeah. I mean, he makes it so that all of their bikes are leaking gasoline, which leads to... To a fire that leads to the bar exploding. Yeah. So it's like not an accident, but an unintended consequence of his direct actions. Yeah. He had malicious intent, but not to... He just wanted their fuel lines to be cut so that they couldn't bike anywhere. Yeah. Because they... Uh, fleeced William H. Macy out of his motorcycle, which I think you could argue they were just trying to save his life. They may they may be the real heroes of this movie. It's entirely possible that they're the, the heroes that we needed all along. Mm-hmm. Yep. And um, man, this this movie isn't good, folks. Natalia. Uh, we may have talked about like Saving Silverman recently was one of the movies we consider to be the most unfairly maligned. Yeah, this ha- this has a higher Rotten Tomato score than Saving Silverman and is objectively worse in every way. Yeah, I would definitely 100 percent agree with that. There, There is nothing in. No, there's nothing in this movie that is better than anything in Saving Silverman. There's nothing in this movie as good as the Arby's scene from Saving Silverman. One. Okay, first of all, yes. And two, yeah, if I had to watch one of them again, I wouldn't even hesitate. I I would watch Saving Saving Silverman again anyway. I like that movie. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, if someone was like, I have two movies, we can either watch Saving Silverman or Wild Hogs. I think everyone, if you don't pick Saving Silverman, I would just ask you to look in a mirror and... Maybe ask yourself, why do you hate yourself so much? I mean, I think that's I think that's the litmus test. Like maybe that's actually the uh, the Blade Runner test (laughs) is that do do you want to watch Wild Hogs or Saving Silverman? And only a replicant is going to pick Wild Hogs. You know, I can uh, let me see. I can try to ask chat GPT. You know, just keep we'll keep going, but I'll I'll see if I can ask chat. I was say, no, I think just waiting while you do that is a good choice for a podcast. (laughs) Let's just have 40 to 50 seconds of dead air while you see what chat GPT says about which movie should be watched again. Um, Anyways, no, this movie is the other thing about this movie is that uh, recently we've been sort of commending movies like Sex Drive to an extent like Saving Silverman for not doing the gay panic thing luckily this movie does all of the gay panic yeah it it definitely this is what we were talking about all those other weeks yes this is um for how utterly just disgusted they are at the notion of same-sex love between consenting adult men uh when john c mcginley assumes that's what they were doing yeah and again, I, I think that he's justified in his assumptions. Yeah. Um, no, this movie, like, so it starts out with just a bunch of, like, just the hackiest. My wife is a shrew and makes me eat green things. And or my wife wants me to do chores around the house or is making me 
live up to my word where I said I would take a year to pursue my creative interest. And if they didn't pan out, I'd go back and get to job, go back to my old job. How dare she hold yeah. you accountable? By the way, I have the answer. Yeah. Okay, great. Okay. As an AI language model, I don't have personal preferences or the ability to watch movies. So right there, you would get the answer. To yeah, the that's, that's, that, yeah, that kind of goes without saying. However, I can provide some information about both films to help you make a decision based on your own preferences. Saving Silverman is a comedy film released in 2001. Follows the story of two friends who try to save their buddy from marrying the wrong woman. The film stars Jason Biggs, Steve Zahn, and Jack Black, and is known for its humorous and comedic performances. Wild Hogs is a comedy film released in 2007. Features a group of middle-aged friends who decide to ride motorcycles from Cincinnati to the California coast. Film stars Tim Allen, John Travolta, Martin Lawrence, and William H. Macy, and offers a mix of humor and adventure. Ultimately, the choice between Saving Silverman and Wild Hogs depends on your personal preference. If you enjoy movies with a focus on friendship and humorous situations, Saving Silverman might be a good choice. On the other hand, you prefer a movie that combines comedy with a sense of adventure and road trip themes, Wild Hogs could be more appealing. So again, that's what a robot says because right. any human goes <laughs> is going to know. Saving Silverman's the right answer. Saving Silverman's much better, uh, objectively the, in it in every way. You know what's weird that just occurred to me as we're having this conversation? Both movies have Kyle Gass in them. That is true, and uh, I'm going to save that for our silver linings. Okay, but yeah, I mean, just an interesting footnote, an interesting Venn diagram with these two movies is they both have Kyle Gass. Mm-hmm. But only one has to, uh, has Jack Black, so that's again your answer for which one to watch. Yes, um, but only one of these movies has Kyle Gass singing "Genuine's Pony." That's true. And the other movie doesn't have Kyle Gass singing at all. It has him doing magic. No, he wasn't doing magic. No, he was doing magic. He was doing magic. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyways, no, this movie like. There's not an original joke in the entire thing. Nope. Um, it's it's very paint by numbers. It's so paint by numbers they had the choice to paint better numbers and they opted not to paint the better numbers. Like it's just like I said, like I was really hoping that when they show up at, at Madrid, uh, New Mexico, sure. Uh that they were going to Basically, Seven Samurai slash, uh, God, the Western ones, um, Magnificent Seven. Three Amigos. Good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, but it does. I, I'm kind of being serious that Three Amigos also sort of has this ending that we're going for. No, it does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it definitely does. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Un undebatably. But they were saying like they would, be, they would get hassled every couple weeks by this biker gang. That I really thought that these wild hogs were going to lead them in rebellion against the biker gang. Which it walks up Hi. to the edge of. And doesn't. And doesn't, which is a shame. Because if anything could have saved this movie, and I'm not convinced that anything could have, it might have been Marissa Tomei just absolutely beating the hell out of MC Ganey with a bedpost or whatever she had in her hand at the end of that movie. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think this counts as the silver lining, but I like that everybody in the town went full walking tall for the yeah. last act. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I think that you're right that none of this was a good idea, but them leading this 
beleaguered small town in some kind of rebellion against the bikers that are harassing them would have at least been an ending. Yeah, instead, our leads get their asses kicked by the bikers for a solid 20 minutes. And that convinces the town that fighting back is maybe okay. Which, yeah, please connect those dots for me. These four men are doing so poorly at this that we should all try it. But we have the Sklar brothers. Yeah, and Ned Ryerson. <laughs> yeah. Steven Tobolowski, a.k.a. Ned Ryerson from uh, Groundhog Day. Love the Tobes, though. Always good to see the Tobes. But big, big fan of the Tobes here on the pod. Yeah, I also... The bikers are like the that fight makes no sense because they they're like mad at them legit because they burned down their biker bar and they cut they their fuel lines. Every reason to be mad at these guys. And the the fight is like most of the bikers standing around watching one or two of them sort of almost just play with them as if you know, that they're like a lion that's just like batting something around like they're not like they would beat the hell out of them and or stab them. And it wouldn't be comical like all four no, of these men be, would die. It would be just it would be violent and sad if a real biker gang like the Del Fuegos uh, had all of their shit ruined by four schmoes like the wild hogs. There would be four dead bodies. Yeah. Left in that town as a warning to anyone else. <laughs> Just. Yeah, that it would be it would be very bad. Yeah. So it's just. Yeah. the All of that just was weird and nothing. And then Peter Fonda showed up because obviously they're because he was a biker in a movie once, too. Yes, that's beloved, but also incoherent. <laughs> Just. Gonna put that out there. I'm taking no, you're that not. Hot take. No, I, no, take. I think Easy Rider is one of those movies that is iconic, but then you actually watch it and you're like, oh, yeah, it might be an Easy Rider, but it's a tough watch. Let me just Hey-o. tell you, my least favorite Captain America movie. Am I right? I don't know. You see that one in the '90s? <laughs> that one's pretty bad. That one's bad too. Um. But yeah, he anyway. shows up and he's Ray Liotta's dad, I think. Maybe. And he's like, hey, these guys are actually cool because they got beat up by you. So stop. And they're living free. And he makes a good point. He's like, yeah, that bar is insured for more than twice its worth. So he actually did us a favor. Well, and so so to get this straight. He collected double on the insurance money, but also they got a free house from uh, whatever extreme home makeover. So they really made they out. They cleaned up. Yeah. yeah. So Peter Fonda's just sitting on a ton of money. I think his name was Blades in the yeah. uh, in the movie. But I also hope that Peter Fonda is sitting on a ton of money that he got paid to do that cameo. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I mean, he was... It wasn't quite Harrison Ford levels of apathy, but it was in that ballpark. No, he wasn't I mean, fording. No, which is a true art. Uh, no one can ford like Harrison, but um, but he he did he did phone that in. Yeah, he did not care. No. Um. That being said, 
I think everybody else in the movie was trying to do good work. They just didn't. Look, I were well, there's some people who did work that I enjoyed and we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah, of, in, of course. In, in the silver lining. But yes, I, I would agree for the most part that nothing, like, it's just it, nothing works. I, you have a lot of people that I like in this movie. Again, I like Stephen Tobolowsky. I like the Sklar brothers. I like Martin Lawrence. I like um, I love Marissa Tomei. I mean, one of my yeah, favorites. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean. Love Bill Macy. Yeah. Uh, Travolta's a guy. It does feel like Bill Macy's the one who was came out of this completely unscathed because he had probably filmed six indie movies in the time that it took for this in, to come in out. In between takes. In between. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that he would just go film some in some local indie for a Coppola cousin. And then guys, while you set up this next shot, I'm going to film an entire film. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I, I, I got Paul Thomas Anderson on the next lot over. We're going to we're going to create gold. Yeah. Just just hit me up when you need me back. Um, yeah. And. MC Ganey, Ray Liotta, all people I really enjoy. John C. McGinley is great. Yeah. Yeah. No, all, all of those men I enjoy. Yeah. I mean, Ray Liotta, I think Ray Liotta comes out the most unscathed from this film because like. Even though nothing works, he's still cool in it because he's Ray Liotta. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he and making us no. Ma, he's I think this is this. his first appearance. Has is he been? It? I feel like he's been here before. I don't know. I, I think the fact that I watched Cocaine Bear and it felt like it'd be the type of thing we do for the podcast. I thought that we did a Ray Liotta movie. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, when we do Fool's Paradise, which we should, he'll yeah, he'll show back. He'll up. show up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or maybe because we did My Blue Heaven, and I'm thinking I have like the Ray Liotta tangent con- connection there. Anyways, um, no, this like I think before they got on the road is what I liked the least about this movie because it was just that like just terrible hacky. I have responsibilities, but I'm a man, and it was just like they're making me like all that stuff. It's just such just poor writing and. They didn't do anything new with any of those tropes, and it just I hated it. Most of the the setup of this film feels adapted from an open mic night of 1990s stand-up comedy. Yeah, very much so. Of just men are like this, and when they reach middle age, they're like this, and then they're sad. But they should do this. This is a manly thing. This is a gay thing. This is a woman thing. This is biker things. Yep. And and yeah, they and they go they go about their business. And yeah, and then like the stars have enough charisma that like you're able to watch the movie. But it's it's bad. Don't watch it, please. I also since since we mentioned her and since we made it clear that I'm a fan. Can we stop asking Marissa Tomei to show up in movies and play the effortlessly charming, beautiful love interest of some absolutely mediocre, forgettable man? <laughs> She's done it enough. And we, it's not fair to her. And while we're at it, stop doing it also to Rosario Dawson. They've both 
done it too much and they have chemistry with everyone, but that is no excuse to keep making them do this. Can you ask the sun to stop shining, Joel? I just can you ask the birds to stop singing? <laughs> I, I it's just it's not fair to them. Of course they're gonna be great in everything. <laughs> um I, I while I agree one hundred percent, uh if there's anybody any of the hogs that I would want to spend time with, it's Bill Macy. Well, then you date Bill Macy. And here's I will. A, and here's my idea. How about Rosaria Dawson dates Marissa Tomei? Because they both deserve it. I mean, you know, Joel's dreams come to life. What can I say? <laughs> I, I would watch a movie where they. Oh, this is the movie, right? So mm-hmm. they're both married to schlubs. Mm hmm. Uh, those schlubs are played by. Hmm. Who's a good schlub? Kevin James is one of them. And then he dies. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's Kevin James and his brother, right? From all those dog who saved from movies. all those dog who saves movies. It's the James boys. They're they're And they're brothers in the movie. Yeah. And they're and one is married to Marissa Tomei and one is married to Rosario Dawson. Yeah. And. Um, let's say both of the James boys die. Screw it. Yeah. There's, there is something horrific. Uh, or no, even better. They get lost at sea. So everyone thinks they're dead. Yeah. I like it. They get, and we never see them again until the, the, the final reel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, through their explorations of grief, Rosario Dawson and Marissa Tomei, and you just see there's a montage, right, of all of just the C-plus schlubs that they've dated their whole lives before settling down Yeah, with the James boys. And uh, through that, they find love with each other. Mm-hmm. And they're happy and they're healthy. And uh, you have an adorable, like, precocious moppet of a kid who calls it's, it's Auntie Mama Marissa. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's, that's the thing. And and so on. Uh, and then, um, you know, then the James boys come back and they see how happy they are. Uh, and then they kill themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Might need some work in the third act, but I feel like up to that point, we got some gold. I think that they should just like here. Here's the nicer. And because I feel like we're going to get notes. I like the ending, but I feel like the, the studio is <laughs> not going to go for it. So this is what I'm picturing. They they walk up to the window like they're both they're, man. They're going to be so excited to see us. And then they peer. They see in through the window. They're happy with each other. The kid is happy and they just look at each other and they sort of without saying anything, they give each other a nod and they just turn back around and get back on the boat. And just head back out to sea. <laughs> I No, they just walk into the ocean. They just walk into the ocean. <laughs> okay, I, yeah, I think that's it. All right, we did it. We figured it out. Um, yeah. And then the credits roll while they're just walking out past the breakers. And the, we time it so the last of the credits, they're both wearing hats. And all that's left is just their hats just floating on the top of the water. And then a shark swims by. <laughs> Ow! But it, it makes, makes a lion sound. roar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like in Jaws the Revenge. Yeah. Um, I think this is the second best gay romance we've ever come up with. Mm-hmm. I mean, Lasagna and Cubanas. What if, this never, is, what if this is in the Lasagna and Cubano cinematic universe? Oh, it's definitely in the Lasagna and Cuban. Like one of them is uh, the 
Marissa Tomei is uh well, you know, they're one they're the granddaughters of the lasagna and the Cubanos guys. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um and they go to their their grandfathers for advice, and you know, that's part of their journey to finding each other. And they finally get the movie romance that they both deserve, which is each other. Yeah. Because they've they man, they've put in the work. They've done the hard work. Yeah. They need to get their flowers while they still can. Yeah. Um, no, I'm with you hundred percent on that. Uh but I like Bill Macy. I'm just going to say it. And I think I that that's too. Well, here's the thing. There are a lot of movies where William H. Macy and Marissa Tomei would be a couple that I would root for. But this William H. Macy. This particular movie is the least of all. Yeah. Um, the most sure. obviously is Fargo. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Lundegaard later finds love with Marissa Tomei. When he's in, at- when he's in prison. She's a prison guard. It's yeah. like, sorry, I'm married to Kevin James. <laughs> and he's like, I could take care of that for you. <laughs> I know a, I know a boat. <laughs> yes, put them right on the boat, and then they get off, and they go out to sea. And a lot of oh, people yeah. don't come back from the boat. A lot of people don't come back from the boat. Just go out <laughs> there on the boat. Um, I, I think this is as good a time as any to pivot. Yeah, I mean, we have to at some point. Yeah. Uh, God, Marissa Tomei is effortlessly delightful in everything she does. This is no exception. She is. She might be the most charming person on the planet. She's a, she's on the list for yeah. sure. Like she's just so effortlessly charming and light and just. I always feel like I'm in good hands when she shows up on the screen. Just like eh, this part's going to be. And it is. I will. I think the movie gets better when she shows up. No, 100 um, percent. I think it's it's a weird thing where like time has only proven how right the Academy was for giving her that Oscar. Oh, yeah. Which is still one of the shittiest you know, like uh, conspiracy theories ever that she wasn't supposed to win. That like one, she was. She's great. Oh, she's phenomenal in that movie. And two, we also now know if they had read the wrong name that someone would have stopped it. We saw it. We, we saw the, what happened. Yeah, the, the greatest Oscar moment to ever happen happened, yes. and we just saw that they will actually come out and tell you that they gave the wrong person the statue. Right. No, a hundred percent. Um, but yeah, it's uh, no, she's delightful. Um, and like. It makes sense why she's, you know, like, it makes sense that, like, they will need to pair up the one single guy better than because no one's going to feel any sympathy for John Travolta. Which I I don't know. We're, we pivoted, but I, I don't understand what's happening with that character. That is the most baffling of the characters. Actually, yeah. So let's let's unpivot for the <laughs> okay. first time ever. Tavip. <laughs> Uh, and six, six, six. <laughs> so, yeah. Why doesn't John Travolta do- just tell the truth? There's no reason for him not to. No, his. I was utterly baffled by his character. I didn't understand 
anything like yeah there's no reason for him not to tell them what's going on i get i get i get the shame about getting divorced like that part i get a little bit maybe i guess i don't but i i feel like his character just didn't really make sense to me ever so i didn't really understand anything that he did but at the same time it seemed like these guys genuinely cared about each other they genuinely liked and trusted each other um yeah and and they all are miserable. All the married guys aren't happy. No. So it's not like they would have been like, what? You seemed so happy. They would have been like, yeah, we get it. Yeah, man. Sorry. Yeah. Well, so we. And if they had told their respective wives. I think Crossing Jordan would have agreed. Yeah. Don't know I, about Pam. What do you feel like? <laughs> would Martin Lawrence, you know, if he had been honest with him, just been like, wait, we can get divorced. That's an option <laughs> because he had the worst marriage from what we saw. Oh, it was, he was being abused. Yeah. Yes. Legit. Just verbally and psychologically abused. Full yeah. stop. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just John Travolta doesn't, it doesn't make any sense that he would keep this secret. No. But knowing what everyone knows about John Travolta, the fact that he was acting like he was high on Coke the whole time, they're like, that makes sense. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and so uh, let's repivot because I feel like I, I I do I did feel remiss not talking about how dumb that whole arc was. Yeah. Um. Marissa Tomei's great. Bill May. I like Bill Macy in this movie. I think he is value added character, but I mean I like him. I think he's sold it, but I I don't love the character that he's playing. I, that's fair. Um. I will say. One of the few legit laughs that this movie did elicit from me is in his introductory scene where he is trying to impress a girl with, I, I think his character invented Siri. I think that's first of all, what we learn is that he's the inventor of Siri in this movie. But the fact that he's trying to get, uh, what is it that he asked for? But he's like, he's asking it to do one thing and it ends up just uh, launching a bunch of strange porn. Just barnyard porn. Mm-hmm. That did actually amuse me. And granny porn. Yeah. Um, voiced by John Travolta, oddly enough, according to the IMDb trivia. Which is weird. Here's the other thing that the IMDb trivia doesn't tell you. He didn't do it for this movie. John Travolta just also had a side deal as a voiceover a- guy for granny porn. Just ADR and gra- granny porn. Is and like they a happened side to use of one of his films. They didn't right. even realize it was him when they so, used yeah. it. And and Johnny T on the set was like, oh, hey. Thanks, guys. I got a check. <laughs> yeah. 18 cents, baby. <laughs> um, no, I like Bill Macy. Uh, there are moments. That I are like, look, I, I, the we talked about all the reasons the, the gay panic in this movie is not it's terrible and the, it's a lot of lazy jokes, but. I did enjoy McGinley. Like, he's selling. Oh, he's committed. Yeah. Like, his commitment to the role did amuse me. No, 100%. Um, Love Tobolowski. Oh, Tobolowski's great. I will say one scene that I appreciate. It's not a great scene, but I appreciate that the movie showed some restraint when they're skinny dipping in that little swimming hole. And the family comes up like that was handled with a lot more tact than I expected from this movie. Yeah. I also I'm just going to say it. That family's to blame. 
because it's their fault. They are. Look, if you see four men in they're they're ahead of you, it's just them. They're in this water. And as soon as you, a family show up, all four of them in unison are like, no, go somewhere else. Do not go here with us. That's on you. Like, they're, yeah, they're that's making that, that clear. No. And, and like I said, like, I don't think that's a particularly great scene, but it had more tact than I thought this movie was capable of. Yeah. Um. So while watching this movie to get to another silver lining, we already kind of talked about it. Uh, but I texted Joel, there's one clear silver lining and it's it's Kyle Gass singing Pony. Yeah. Yeah, 100 like percent. That was great. Yeah, it is. And I like that the there's a fair amount of him once we we get to the chili cook off stuff that that they use like he does multiple songs. And but yeah, Genuine Pony is definitely the best of them. But no, he's great. He also does Don't You by the Pussycat Dolls. Which yes. is which is less funny than Pony. Yeah. And I have to assume based on everything we've talked about and the rules of this movie that probably Marissa Tomei's character dated him. I, I think that that's yeah. The, the reason they didn't have any all those scenes are on the cutting room floor. That's why she's looking open to love because she's finally gotten over Kyle Gass because he broke up with her and broke her heart. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. Uh, Ray Liotta's great. He is. Ray he really He's, is good. Like. The movie doesn't do him favors, but I, I love Ray Liotta and he's well cast. Uh, one This is one scene I thought was legitimately well written and fun uh, when he just absolutely analyzes all of the hogs. And he gets it within like a small degree of, you know, like he's he's in the the very close ballpark. Right. And then the the button joke when Bill Macy's like, oh, my God, that's so close. What What's my favorite color? Yeah. That, that was, was good. good. That was good writing. That was good writing. And I, I I, feel like we need to give credit where credit is due. That was a good scene. Yeah. Yeah. That scene was good. Um, It was cartoonish and dumb, but I don't know. I loved every time Martin Lawrence sold a punch. Yeah. Yeah, you really did. Um, It was. It was I also, you know, I did enjoy that they all kept getting punched in the face repeatedly. That like every time they would all try different tactics, you know, some of them would plea with them. Some of them would try to be tough, whatever they did, that they all just ended up getting punched in the face repeatedly. Yeah. Um, but just just Martin Lawrence, the way he sold every punch was really funny. Like it was legit good physical comedy. And again, if we're looking that I, I, I'm I love good physical comedy. And that was uh, that was a silver lining for me, for sure. It was, yeah, a thing. I, it was a moment I enjoyed in the movie. I think another silver lining legit is, uh, I mean, it's all a bit on the nose, but look, I mean, we're, we're reaching here. <laughs> Let's be honest with ourselves. But I did enjoy the soundtrack. Yeah, there's a lot of good songs in the movie. Um, some real good ACDC tracks. I mean, like uh, you've got you got Slow Ride. You got Wanted Dead or Alive by Bon Jovi, you know, like uh, Thunder Kiss by uh, Rob Zombie. Love I mean, that tune. Highway to Hell. Like, it's a lot of things that you would associate with riding a motorcycle across the country. Yeah, it, and it doesn't matter that it's on the nose because they're good tunes. They hit, They play good vibrations when they get to California. I mean, it's like exactly the song you would expect. But again, in, in a movie like this, I'll take it that you get shots of people riding motorcycles with like really great open road songs playing. 
Yeah, I mean, the, there are worse road trip playlists than this movie soundtrack. I will say that is for sure. They're better, but there's yeah, a lot of good. It's, it's not wrong. You know, it's um, not. I will say that the post credit scene, just watching uh, Ray Liotta, his eyes shrink wrapped in tears, like trying to talk about the bar. Like, that was funny. It is a complete, like, it's character assassination for all of those characters, and it makes absolutely no sense, but it did amuse me. Like, I actually think it was a window into a better version of this movie, perhaps. Like, the movie where that scene doesn't feel out of place is probably better than what we got. Yeah, were there, like, yes, 100%. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I mean, don't watch this movie. Don't. Listen to what we said about it. We've told you the good bits. Um, I'm sure you can find a recording of Kyle Gass singing Pony. Yeah, it's, that's that's got to be on YouTube. Or, I mean, just ask Kyle Gass. He'll probably sing it for you. Yeah. Call up Kyle Gass. He's probably on Cameo. Get a Cameo of him singing Pony. Yeah. And, and one last thing, and I, I can't emphasize this enough. If you are currently a schlubby guy and you're dating Marissa Tomei, go on a fucking cruise. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. I see there is a new episode of Hobo Radio in my podcast feed. I find I'm so excited I can barely sit still or hold a thought in my head. I think it's the excitement only a hobo radio listener can feel. A hobo radio listener at the start of a long episode whose conclusion is uncertain. I hope Joel makes a joke about banging Lars's mom. I hope Lars tries and fails to coin a new catchphrase. I hope they talk about Batman. I hope. Hobo Radio is a pop culture podcast on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network. It is available wherever you get your podcasts.